What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner 3 Podcast. I am your host, co-host, Mark Clayton, and with me today is my co-host, Canyon Cole. How's it going today, Canyon? Are you there? Up, you froze up on me a little bit. Yep, I can hear you. Okay, I can hear you. You're just a little frozen on the screen, but I'm sure it'll fix itself. Yeah, usually it does. Okay. Uh... Another episode. Today we bring you the uh, 2023 mock draft by your very own Marshall and Canyon. Um, we're going to kind of, we're going to first round, right? First round? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think we're going to break it down into, uh, I'll do, I'll start with one and do the odd numbers and you will do number two and go with the evens. Um, and you've, you've, yeah, and you've done a lottery roll through Tankathon for us, so we we get we know the order, um, and so we'll we'll just tell the teams the order as we go through the picks. I think that'll be the easiest way to do it. Sounds good. All right, uh, you're still frozen on my screen, but I, it's totally. If you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. Uh, I can still hear you perfectly fine. I can hear you great. You hear you sound great. It should, the video yeah. usually works with itself. It's usually the audio that gives us issues. So, okay, perfect. Um, and let's just let's just hop into it. Um, in our in our mock uh, uh, draft uh, tankathon roll, Houston Rockets uh, they got the number one pick, and so they are the lucky number ones to land Victor Wembanyama. Um, that was the easiest number one pick. That's probably. I've ever had to do for a mock draft, and it's probably going to be the easiest pick, number one pick that any team has ever done in NBA history, outside of uh, maybe the LeBron draft. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's, I, I, and obviously we could talk about Victor for this whole pod. Uh, he's he, he's been incredible to kind of watch grow, um, especially this season with the Met- Metropolitan uh, team he plays in with in France. Um, and I'm under the impression whatever team he goes to, he's he's automatically going to make them at least, at the very least, a playoff contender. Um, And I think he could do that for the Rockets, even with how bad the Rockets look this year, the last two years, um, with his his playmaking ability. Yeah, go ahead. You can expand on him. The only team in the NBA that might be able to fumble the bag on Victor Wimanyama is the Houston Rockets. So this is kind of the Mm worst-case scenario for Victor. But like you said, he's so incredibly talented. I don't see a way he doesn't go here and they just – drastically increase from what they have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping he ends up either, well, I'm a Thun, obviously a Thunder fan. I don't want him to end up on the Spurs because I think they become an absolutely, I think they, I mean, he could start the next dynasty there uh, with with the you know the system they already have in place and you know the history of their winning. But I would like to see him more on the Hornets or the Pistons. I think it'd be really cool to see him in those spots. But yeah, so Houston lands uh, Victor. We won't waste too much time. We know uh, we know that's going to happen if whoever gets first pick, it's, it's Victor. Yeah, and then going on to number two, it's probably just as easy as number one is. Uh, consensus number two overall pick is Scoot Henderson going to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Actually, if the Spurs fall to number two, I really like this fit. One, because of the Spurs' track record of being able to develop players. And two, they just traded away DeJounte Murray this past offseason. So right now they're starting um, Trey Jones at their point. And so I think, again, it's just as easy for me at number two as it was for you at number one. I think Scoot Henderson would be the number one overall pick in most, most other drafts that have happened over the last 10 years. It just so happens there's an absolute freak of nature ahead of him, but... 
Uh, Scoot Henderson yeah. again at number two, almost no holes in his game. He reminds me of like a young Russell Westbrook, but can shoot it better. Yeah, and you put him along with Kelvin Johnson, that can become quite the duo. And then, you, I mean, you have Devin Vassell as well. So uh, a lot of young pieces kind of coming together in San Antonio if, if they are indeed land Scoot. Um, number three, we had the Detroit Pistons come out with the third pick. And um, I originally had Brandon Miller here, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a pivot and I'm going to take Amon Thompson, uh, which I think is it's a little, little bit uh, different, I know, but I, I, I am still high on, even without the shooting with the Thompson Twins, like we've talked about this on the pod before, um, I, I, think, I think the Pistons, you can take that risk. You have, you have a lot of uh, big men now with uh, training for wise men, um, Isaiah Stewart there, Jalen Duran. So you're kind of, you know, you're good at the big man spot. Uh, but Amon Thompson brings an athletic wingman that, would be a fear, uh, you know, just a great two-way player for them, uh, playmaking on the offensive end, uh, locking up on the defensive end, and uh, with their shooting, you know, with his shooting a question mark, I think they can take that risk because you still have Kate Cunningham, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, they have some shooters around there to kind of, you know, alleviate that risk. So um, I, I'm gonna go with Almond Thompson there. What, how do you feel about that? That's that's a pretty loaded backcourt you got there in Detroit with Cade, Jade Ivey, and Amon Thompson. Uh, yeah, you know I think with Cade Cunningham, they're loaded, they're loaded in the front court too. That's the thing. They yeah, have a weird weird roster I, going right now. With Cade Cunningham there, I think anybody you take there has a chance to turn out to be a pretty good player. I wasn't big on them taking Jade Ivey there last year because of, they have Cade Cunningham, so I kind of went a different way with who I had at number three, but. I mean, Amon, it might be really good for Amon Thompson to not have to be the primary ball handler for once. And maybe he can just focus on getting his shot better and being a, a defender. And then a secondary playmaker might be his best role. So I don't hate it. I, I, I see where you're going with it. Like you said, they're loaded at almost every position. I think this would have made a lot more sense if they didn't take Jaden Ivey last year. I really hate the Jaden Ivey fit on Detroit. I really don't like it at all. Um, but, I mean, I, I think Amon think- no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just I think Amon Thompson is just you can plug and play him on just about probably eighty percent of the rosters in the NBA, and he can probably make an impact just because of his defensive impact alone. So I I don't, I don't see an issue with it. Yeah, and I agree. Jaden Ivey kind of throws a screw into things because uh, I, I was a, when I thought about this, I was like, well, I mean, you could throw Amon Thompson on the ball a lot, and then have um, uh, Kate Cunningham kind of play off ball kind of do a little two-man game there or kind of have, you know, use Kate coming, kind of Kate Cunningham at, you know, at the top of the key, kind of feed him the ball with Amon Thompson. So I, I, could, I could see it that way as well if you wanted to kind of use Amon as the dominant ball handler. But yeah. How yep. you four? At number four, I'll take who I had at number three, and I'll take who I think is the almost clear-cut, probably third best just ready prospect right now and Brandon Miller. I think he can step onto the NBA court right now and average about 15 points a game. And, you know, with LaMelo doing what LaMelo does, even though he's super injury prone like his brother, I don't know if you saw the ankle fracture he had the other day. It was one of the freakiest accidents I've ever seen. Yeah, that was nuts. That was very, very uh, concerning. Yeah, that was weird. But I think putting Brandon Miller next to uh, LaMelo Ball here really helps out the Hornets' trajectory because, I mean, right now you got LaMelo Ball and then naming off like eight more players on that team is a struggle. They don't have anybody else they can (laughs) – 
I mean, you, you'll get a notification that LaMelo Ball had 28, 7, and 7, and you look, and they got beat by 35. And it's like, oh, my God. So I think putting a red-made NBA score like Brandon Miller out there really is going to open things up for LaMelo. And then also Brandon Miller on the defensive end is probably a top-five defensive prospect in this draft. So I, I, I got Brandon Miller going forward to Charlotte. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. Brandon Miller's the third-best uh, prospect right now. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of off-court stuff going on with him we don't know how that's going to kind of pan out but if 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 all stays the same and the hornets land brandon miller that's like a franchise saving i think player for them because they're even though they do have Lamelo, i feel like they're kind of stuck in that mediocrity they can't get out of it mm-hmm. um for whatever reason they just don't have the front office uh, uh competencies and draft picks haven't kind of panned out there as well so brandon miller i think could really turn that around really fast if that's if that's how that goes down um, so with me, uh, number five, uh, the Orlando Magic at the fifth spot. Um, yep, yep, I'm going with the other Thompson twin. I'm going with the other Thompson twin. Uh, <laughs> I know he's fall, he's fell in some mocks, but I'm I was just thinking through the Magic roster. They have the offensive guys, you know. Um, well, let me see what I, my notes right here. I had it. Uh, they have the offensive guys. Magic do. You have Paulo Bencaro. You have Franz Wagner. Um, you have Marco Fultz creating a lot. You have Jalen Suggs, who will be back from injury. Um, Star Tom, also Thompson. Sorry, I know I'm butchering that name. Um, I feel like he he could fit pretty much in, in any NBA system. He's another. He's a tremendous athlete, just like his brother. Um, and it, and I think he could be a really good defender. And he would fit the hard nosed uh, physical kind of mentality. I think a Magic are kind of taking on. Uh, with Paolo Bencaro and Marco Fultz and, uh, and, you know, and Wendell Carter as well. I can't forget about him. I just feel like they're kind of developing a really – they could be a really physical team, and I think Asar Thompson could fit that role and kind of fill a defensive void they might be missing. Yeah, I, I mean, he's the better shooting out of the Thompson twins. I didn't know you were this high on both Thompson twins, but I like it. Uh, yeah. Also, is the better shooting percentage wise, and then just overall, as his form looks, he projects to be the better shooter long term. Uh, so again, you put him on a team that, like you said, has a lot of scores already on it. But I mean, Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz and all those guys aren't talked about as perimeter defenders, and neither are Franz Wagner or Paulo Boncaro. So I probably like this fit for this Thompson twin a little bit more than I like the Detroit fit because you can put Osar Thompson out there and the only thing he has to worry about is playing defense and playmaking. So yeah. the, the one thing that's going to be really interesting to watch in the Orlando Magic is how they construct lineups because yes. Franz and Paolo are almost the exact same position. And so I think if you throw a line out out there of like Cole Anthony, Osar Thompson, Franz Wagner, Paolo Boncaro, and Wendell Carter – that's going to be a nasty team going forward. So I, I like that fit a lot more. I think yeah. I guess if you put Osar out there and just make him focus on guarding the other team's best player and then let Paulo and Franz go crazy. I, I, that'll be, I don't know if it'll be a good team for a couple of years, but it'll be kind of like how Indiana is this year and just really fun to watch young prospects go crazy. Agreed. And uh, full disclosure, Canyon knows his college basketball NBA prospects way better than I do. So as we get deeper into this draft, uh, Canyon might be calling me out on some things. So that that's totally fair. That is totally fair. No. Uh, who you got? Who you got it for the Pacers at six? 
My Pacers, my Indiana Pacers, and I only say my Pacers because they got my man crush Tyrese Halliburton on there. Yeah. Again, you take two Thompson twins when I thought you were going to take the two people I wanted, so I'm right. (laughs) I'm driving with your picks right now. I'm taking Jairus Walker at number six. No. No. I wanted him. I had him mocked at number four originally, but – yeah, I, I, I think him falling to Indiana right here is going to be really good for Indiana going forward. I mean, you got Tyrese and Ben and Ben Matherin on the perimeter, kind of a hole at that three spot. You know, you can throw Buddy Heald in there sometimes, but they need to sure up that three spot. But I think if you're putting Jarris Walker at the four, you're putting a guy out there that can guard two through five, especially in today's NBA. I think he can guard the fives. His defensive versatility is light years ahead of other people in this class. And his offensive game, I think, is a lot more advanced than people give him credit for. Uh, I think with Tyrese and Ben Matherin, you don't really need to go and try and draft another scorer here. I think you need to draft somebody that kind of shores up the holes in your lineup. And especially if they keep Miles Turner at the five, if they keep him around, because he's still like 26 years old, he's young. If they keep him and put Jairus Walker next to him and they got two stretch bigs, one of which protects the rim at a crazy rate and the other one can guard the perimeter, that makes Tyrese and Ben Matherin's job a lot easier. Agreed. Um, I, I, I've really started to really like Jairus Walker and what I've seen from him at uh, Houston. He's kind of really developing, you know, an all-around game. And um, full disclosure, I would love for him to fall to the Thunder somehow. Um, he's kind of being mocked too high at this point for it to be a realistic possibility unless the Thunder get lucky in the lottery. But, um, yeah, Marsh, yeah. Before, Jairus Walker. Before you make your next uh, pick. Before you make your next pick, I just want to point out, I'm very interested to see where you're going to go because at number seven uh-huh. is Orlando, correct? Yes, it's it's the Bulls pick. They got the Bulls yeah, pick. That's Orlando, and I'll give, you've had two Orlando picks. That's an incredibly hard team to draft for. I know, and I'm, I'm so I'm struggling. I am, I'm in my, right now I'm scrolling through the mocks, and I'm, I, there's two guys that pop out at me, um, there's not really a big man. I, I want to draft a big man for for the Magic. Yeah. Just, but there's not there's not anyone high enough that I would yeah. want to for the this reach for the picks that I imagine in real life. Either five or seven. One of those is going to be traded, or they're going to be right. packaged for something different. But for the glory yeah. of this mock draft, you're going to have to try and force your way into a pick here. Yeah. So I'm a force it, and I'm uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with Keontae George. I'm gonna go with Keontae George out of Baylor. Um, they, honest, I, I, I'm thinking through my head. They have, if, if they have Asar Thompson and you have Paulo and you have Franz and you have Cole Anthony and you have Jalen Suggs, you have all those guys. Those are all those guys can play, make, and score. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even, even say Fultz either. They still have Fultz, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Keontae George, a knockdown shooter. Um, I think. He would be he could be a really good three and D guy with he's also just really explosive as well. Um, I think but I think he could develop, you know, a really well two game three and D game for the Magic. Um, so I think that's what I'm gonna go with Keontae George. Um, yeah. that obviously like you said, there's hard to draft for with two picks yeah, in the top. They're hard to draft for, and I think you did. He was one of the two guys I see going there because I think right now he's a better guard prospect than any of the guards that they do have. I'd probably take him yeah. over – I would take him over Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, and Markel Fultz right now. So that's probably – he's one of two guys I was looking at right there that's like probably your best option. And he's the better playmaker, and I think that's what they need really, especially when the ball's going to be in Paulo's hands majority of the time as someone that's comfortable playing off ball. 
So I think, right. like I said, that was a that was a tough little team to draft for right there. I think you did pretty solid on it. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take yeah. that. That's a, that's a compliment from you. Uh, who did, oh, yeah, you had you took Jairus Walker for Indiana. Sorry, I'm yeah. keeping track. So I'm going to redraft him. So at number eight, we um, got... Yeah, eight, Pelicans. Pelicans. Yeah, that's also a team I think is pretty difficult to draft for because they got... Position short up. They got CJ McCollum. They got Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, they just, Dyson Daniels, who gets like five minutes, and I'm still super high on him. So it's a hard yeah. team to draft for. Um, I got two people in mind right here, and I think who I'm going to take is really going to blow some minds here. But at number eight, okay. I got to do it. I love him. At number eight, I'm going Grady Dick. Ooh, Grady Dick. Okay. I'm going Grady okay. Dick, New Orleans Pelicans. I think the one thing the New Orleans Pelicans don't have right now is a spacer. Um, yeah. And, you know, Grady Dick's probably biggest negative is his defense, although I do think his defense is better than people give him credit for. Um, but you got people like – I mean, when Zion's healthy, he can defend. Jonas Valanciunas is a solid rim protector. But then you have Herb Jones and Trey Murphy – and Dyson Daniels to guard the perimeter. I think if you draft Grady Dick here and you put him around CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, you can just tell him to go stand out there and he can knock. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah. take him if he has a game next year where he hits like seven threes in a game. Because if you have a team of CJ, BI, Zion, and Valanciunas, who in their right mind is giving Grady Dick any attention? Yeah, and and – you can't double Zion when that happens because yeah. you're leaving McCollum or uh, or Grady Dick wide open and or BI or BI yeah. yeah and then I mean you have Balanchunas on the other block like that that team's physical and has the shooting and that team becomes a scary you know top Western Conference final threat I would I yeah would think. That, I think that's a bit of a reach on Grady Dick I haven't seen him drafted that high but we were talking before about how we like to do drafts and whatnot. And I oftentimes like to draft for best fit other than best yes. player available. And I, he's one of two guys. I think the one thing they really, really need is a spacer. And that's, that's what he can do right off the bat. So that's, I got Grady Dick at eight. And I definitely think Grady Dick will go top 10. Um, I know the Thun, I've all the Thunder podcasts and stuff I like to, they are, they love Grady Dick. Um, so I definitely will see. Well, I mean, I can definitely see yeah, yeah. That, of course, the name helps, too. Like, imagine talking about that all the time. Dick for three out of the corner. Like, that would be okay. unbelievable. I'm sure you talk about that all the time, huh? Okay. <laughs> Pause. Pause. Um, okay, number nine, uh, my team, Oklahoma City. I'm glad I got to pick for them. Um, there's three guys on the board. Nick Smith, Cam Whitmore, and... Uh, Anthony Black. Those are the three I'm eyeballing for the Thunder, and I think I think I'm going to go with Anthony Black. Um, I think I'm going to go with Anthony Black. Nick Smith Jr. I think has the obviously he's the higher uh, like prospect. I think coming into the season he's dealt with some knee injuries that's kind of you know kind of downgraded him down uh, uh, draft mock drafts. Um, and I, but I do think he has a lot of upside. But Anthony Black, I think, brings some playmaking, elite passing ability. Um, he's six seven point guard. Um, I think if you're running him out there with Shea and Giddy, like they can't, they, they can't. Teams won't be able to double that. Um, there's a lot of playmaking. Put some shooters around those guys. Uh, 
I think it beca- becomes a really fun team. Um, and right now, I, I see him at uh, on this mock draft. I'm looking at his comparison is a bouncy Josh Giddy. That's his comparison. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like how I like the size he brings. Um, just another playmaker for the Thunder. Um, I, I, the Thunder are, are going to be pretty stacked at the at the the front court with Chet coming back and some of the guys they're developing with the both Jalen Williams, um, JRE. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with another point guard here. Uh, just kind of take some ball handling off of Giddy and, uh, Shea and kind of help them and create for them. Yeah. Uh, I like, I like Anthony black a whole bunch. I think you just broke the hearts of every Washington wizards fan because that's all they need is a point guard. And he, I think <laughs> he might be my favorite point guard prospect left, yeah. but you know, in some in some ways, people look at that pick and think, you know, Anthony Black's biggest knock is his shooting, and that's kind of OKC's biggest knock right now. But also, yeah. uh, Anthony Black's best plus outside of his passing is he's an incredible perimeter defender. And yeah. I think everybody knows Josh Giddy couldn't guard me right now. Yeah, so and, he's a literally traffic cone. Yeah, and Shea, Shea can defend if he needs to, but when Shea's getting you 35 a game, you prefer him not to have to guard his butt off. So... I right. think putting Anthony Black out there next to those two, kind of like we talked about earlier when I put uh, when I drafted Jarris. You know, you put him out there and let him worry about taking the guy. Or Osar Thompson is who we talked about at Orlando. You make his only yeah. job to go out there and you know defend the other team's best player and make good passes. I think he's a really good connector guy. And if you guys can, you know, if you guys find a four that can just sit out there and stretch the floor like Jalen Williams is coming along, I yeah. think. Uh, that's a great pick. I love Anthony Black. A lot of people were down on him there for a while because his shot fell off. But I mean, he—it's kind of he, like you said. His comparison is a bouncy Josh Giddy, and that's exactly who I see him as. So I, I like that pick. And his ability to get to the rim—I've watched some Arkansas games. It's, it's, he's, he's definitely a fun athletic watch. Um, but yeah, Jarris Walker would be my next my pick for the Thunder. If, if my dream pick, I feel like he could fill in that four position so well. I mean, you're playing. I imagine it's two man game with him and Shea. It's just, it's it's that would be so much fun. Yeah. So who you got at ten? Number ten, I got a man who, if anybody that's a respectable mock drafter listens to this, would probably strangle us as following this far, and that's Cam Whitmore for the Blazers. Uh, this is for the Blazers yeah, as well. For the Portland Trail Blazers, I got Cam Whitmore. I don't think I've listened or read a mock draft where Cam Whitmore has gone under six. Yeah, and we're taking we're taking him here at number ten. But <laughs> if Cam Whitmer falls to number ten here, I think he fits with the Portland Trailblazers really well. Um, you know, you got Dame and Anthony Simons out there in your perimeter, and then the three four spot for uh, Portland's kind of up in the air. And then the five spot, you got Nurkic. I don't know if they're going to stay with that going forward, but you know they're unsure yeah. if Jeremy Grant's coming back. So that's one guy that you yeah. know it's twenty points a game they're losing. And I think Cam Whitmore can play the three or the four. So if Jeremy Grant comes back, you can put him in there at the three, and you got Jeremy Grant at the four. If Grant leaves, you can plug him in at the four and play Cam Reddish some at that three. And that spaces yeah. the floor a little bit. Putting Cam Reddish out there and Cam Whitmore out there just kind of spaces the floor a little bit more for Dame and Anthony Simons to do what they need to do. Um, so I I got my man Cam Whitmore here. And like I said, I hope nobody respectable is listening to us right now because – that would uh, blow some gaskets that would wait until number 10 to take him. I think our trend has been a lot of, we like, me and you both like a lot of the guys that can play make and, and develop and make plays for others. Cam Whitmore's not really, that's not his forte. I, I kind of see him as, you know, a, 
a hard nosed athlete on the court that can also he can also shoot the ball. So um, I think he, he like, but he would be such a great fit with the Blazers. He can tack at the rim, make space for Dame and Anthony Simons, like you said. Um, so yeah, going at ten, I don't think it's just a great. I think, like you said, it's just a great fit for him there. Um, okay, the Wizards at number eleven. I think if they end up with the number eleven pick, this is like the third time they've gotten the eleventh pick. Yeah. It's like the worst place to be in the Trust draft. Me, I always have it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the dead place of the of the um, of the lottery. And I'm gonna go with. I just gotta go with the best guy on the board left, and to me, and that's Nick Smith Jr. Um, he's he's not really a point guard. I wouldn't say uh, you know playmaking first point guard that the Wizards would want, but he, I think he has so much upside, so much potential that the Wizards couldn't turn that down. And uh, he's, he can shoot, he's super athletic, and it's just a, a great slashing guard. I think you put him alongside Bradley Beal, um, and I think he could be kind of a start over uh, new era for the Wizards, so I'll go with Nick Smith Jr. there. Yeah, like I said earlier, when you took Anthony Black, I think he broke the hearts of all Wizards fans because they desperately needed another guard in that backcourt. Yeah. So, I was, you know, over these number 11 and 12 here, there was two guys in mind for both those teams. And whoever you took, I was going to take the opposite at number 12. So I think Nick Smith Jr. helps out here. You got him, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, and I think Daniel Gafford's their starting five still. And then, then you have Dia, who can lock up on the perimeter. Like you said, could bring new life to the Wizards, and really, I can see this being a thing where they draft Nick Smith Jr. and then they deal Bradley Beal in the off season and try and start over with the young core because Kuzma's like twenty five, and all those other guys I named are under twenty five. So, right. uh, I can see that being a fit. I like that there. Um, the other guy I was thinking about for Washington, which I'll now take at number twelve to the Lakers, is Case and Wallace out of Kentucky. Okay. Okay. Um, I've seen him compared a whole lot to Drew Holiday type of player. Uh, and I think just right now the Lakers just need a point guard more yeah. than anything. And and really the biggest knock on Casey Wallace was his shooting. And I think he's shooting at about 38% right now, somewhere around there this year. So uh, that's nothing to, you know, ignore. I think it's a pretty good percentage for what he's doing in Kentucky, especially when Kentucky's struggling this year. Um, yeah, his defense is insane, and I think watching the Lakers, that don't they don't have and they haven't had a guard all year that could guard anybody. They had Patrick Beverly, but I think at this point Patrick Beverly is more of a meme than he is an NBA basketball player. And yeah. you know, they Russell Westbrook, who's never been a strong defender in his career, and so I think bringing Casey Wallace here can really, you know, he's like a bulldog defender. He reminds me a whole lot of Davion Mitchell from uh, Baylor a year or two ago, who's at Sacramento. I think putting him out here, and then I've said it over and over, kind of like we talked about Asar and Anthony Black, letting him go crazy on the other team's guards and let LeBron and Anthony Davis handle the offensive workload, I think fits really well for the Lakers. And then if AD or LeBron gets doubled and they throw it out there, he's confident enough to hit that three. So I got Casey Wallace going at 12 here. Yeah, I like that pick uh, for uh, the Lakers, uh, which – when uh, we didn't mention the Pelicans pick earlier, I think that's just like the pick swap that they have with the Lakers with all that, you know, the trades that went down. So yeah. Lakers don't really end up in a bad spot here, still in the lottery. Um, but yeah, that's a, I, I like that pick for Jason Wallace to the Lakers. Um, next is the Raptors. Um, this one kind of stumps me a little bit. Uh, I I think about the Raptors. They have they have 
the the wing players. You got Pascal Siakam. You got o, OG Ananobi, who who's been in trade talks. Um, you have Fred VanVleet at the point guard position. You got Gary Trent Jr. as the shooter. Um, they have a couple guys that they like to play at the big man, Boucher, um, Precious Achua. Um, yeah. I'm going to go. Got, they just got Jakob Pertl back in that trade with San Antonio as well. Right. That, I forget about him too. Um, I'm you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Jalen Hood, Shafino, point guard out of Indiana. Um, I, I, I like Van Vliet. I just don't think Van Vliet can be your long-term answer as a playoff. Yes, he, he's been in the league for a while. He's not the biggest guard, uh, not great defensively. And I just I, I think he just lacks like the they they just need they, they need another all star at the point guard position for the for the Raptors to be, you know, another a contender again. Um so you know, I don't know I don't know what his really his ceiling is. You could talk more about that. Um but I just see him as a big tough guard. Um and I, what I've seen at Indiana just he he knows he knows to make the right he makes the right play at the right time, six mm-hmm. six, uh, um, and it, it, I think he's a more of a passer facilitator first. So you know, running some two man with Pascal Siakam, OG, Pirtle, um, and, and Scotty Barnes as well. Uh, so I, I think that could be an, a, a good physical fit for the Raptors, kind of fit their uh, their system. Yeah, I'm. Uh... I don't know if you remember, but in one of our very first episodes of the podcast, back when we were still talking about college basketball every week, yeah, uh, I gave like my most impactful freshman, and I was huge on Jalen Hood Shafino. And yes. when the season when the season started, he kind of fell off and had a rough start to his season, and he fell out of mock drafts completely. I didn't see him in any first rounds or anything. And then, in really, about the last month and a half, two months, he's been on an absolute tear, and I'm seeing him at. The lowest I've seen him is like 20, and he's been everything above that. Yeah. And uh, this past weekend when we went to that concert, when I was at Kyle's house, I talked to Kyle because we were watching Indiana versus Purdue, and I was just mm-hmm. talking. I was like, I'm so big on Jalen Fino over and over. And so I, I like this pick a lot, and it's kind of like what we talked about, bringing a new era in. I think mm-hmm. the Raptors are kind of in limbo right now. Uh, they got money and they don't want, I don't think they want to play Bingley either. He's due for a big yeah. contract, so – yeah, they, and they've got money tied up in him right now that he probably really doesn't need. He's, I think he's 27, 28, and he's like, I mean, he's like six foot tall. He's a little stocky guard. Yeah. And he's, he's been at his ceiling for about three years now. 20 and six is his ceiling. Uh, I don't think Jalen Hitchfino is capable of averaging 20 in the league, but I right. think Jalen Hitchfino is capable of getting about 16, seven, and seven. Yeah. And so I, I'm a big Jalen Hitchfino guy, and I think. This is one of those kind of like what we talked about with the Wizards. If they take Jalen Hutchifino, expect uh, within the next two years of Red Man Fleet to either get traded or be on a different team. So I, I like yeah. that pick there. Uh, at number 14 to... and at 15. Back to back yeah. Jazz. Yeah, at number 14 and back to back Utah Jazz. So this is, again, in the real life, one of these is going to get traded most likely or one of these players will get traded. But mm-hmm. at number 14 here, the Jazz are just kind of a crapshoot. They got Laurie Markin and Walker Kessler, so I think they got their four and five locked up. I think everything one, two, and three is open. I know they got Colin Sexton, but I don't think anybody's banking on Colin Sexton being a a lock going forward in any, in any type of franchise. So for Utah here at 14, I have them taking uh, Jet Howard Ooh, out of Michigan. Uh, 
knockdown shooter out of Michigan. If you've watched him at all or look him up on YouTube and watch him shoot the ball, it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's about the only skill he has, but you got Laurie and Walker Kessler. You put him out there at the three spot, and, and then in the future drafts or future free agency, you lock up your one and two. I think that's a dangerous roster going forward if your three, four, and five can all shoot yeah. like those two, like those three can. Uh, I think Jet Howard has potential on the defensive end as well. He's a pretty big body. I just don't think he's ever been asked to play defense, and I think especially for his dad at Michigan, I don't think he's asked to play any defense. He just sits out there, and whenever teams double down on Hunter Dickinson, they'll throw it out to him, and he'll just splash it down. And I'm, I'm a big Jet Howard guy. I don't think he's talked about enough. I think he behind Grady Dick, I think he's the best shooter in the draft. Yeah. I pick a lot, Jet Howard. Um, he's been, he's, he, has, he has a stretch where he was really fun to watch and has been really good for Michigan. Um, uh, so that was 14. Put Jet Howard down. And uh, the next pick is the Jazz again. Uh, with this time, they're picking with the Wolves pick that they got out of the uh, Gobert trade. Um, yeah. so number fifteen, like you said, most likely will be traded. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jordan Hopkins, shooting guard out of UConn. Uh, like you said, like you said, like you said, they need they need a. Uh, I feel like they're good at the four and five with Walker Kessler. He's the Walker Kessler's already better than I thought he was ever going to be in the NBA as well. Uh, which he's still got a ways to go uh, in becoming a player where he don't, he, you know, he doesn't have, he won't be benched de- determined by matchups. But he's played he's played really well this this year. Um, but Jordan Hawkins, I think, is a, is a shooting guard. It can play a two guard position for uh, the Jazz. Um, and I, I think the Jazz could benefit from some outside shooting, and that's exactly what Jordan Hawkins does. He has a great three-point ability. Um, and I think he, he he can improve with his physicality around the rim. Um, I, I've seen him compared to Anthony Simons in some of the mock drafts I've looked at, which I think and that's and Simons, that's another thing he can improve on is his uh, inside shooting and being more physical. But I like Jordan Hawkins and, uh, the, you know, the uh, – the outside threat he could bring to the to Utah for sure. Yeah, I, I really like Jordan Hawkins as well. He's probably again I've talked about the best shooters. I think it's Grady Dick, and then I think it's um, Jet Howard, and I think Jordan Hawkins is right after that. So you take two of the three best shooters in the draft in your draft, it's probably a pretty good draft class for you. And then like we're talking about, one of these picks or whoever gets drafted at these picks is going to get traded. It's not very often teams draft back to back and keep both those players, and so. Drafting two shooters here, and it's a lot easier, a lot easier to deal a shooter than it is to deal any other type of player. Teams can always use more shooting, so I think you know if, if not saying it'll pan out this way, but if they draft Jed Howard and Jordan Hawkins back to back, those are two enticing. I mean, to teams like the Lakers, I can see the Lakers making a trade for yeah. one of these two, or the the Kings or the, the the Knicks need some more perimeter shooting. Like I can, you know, I can see stuff like that happening. So I like Jordan Hawkins there. I think. I think Jordan Hawkins has potential to be one of the biggest sleepers of the draft. I don't think enough people talk about him either. Um, that brings us to number 16, where we got the Golden State Warriors. And I'm going to take a guy. I'm going to take a guy here, and I want to know if you've heard his name ever. Okay. <laughs> his, name is, his name is Taylor Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks out of Central Florida. One of the fastest rising guys on the draft boards right now. His name was not on draft boards a month ago. 
Oh, I never even heard his name until about two months ago. <laughs> but, you know, Draymond getting old. Um, Kevon Looney's just kind of a play 20 minutes a game type of center. Yeah. And Draymond's contract runs up soon, and if he wants another big extension, I don't think Golden State's going to give it to him. I don't right. see any way you can justify giving him another big one. Taylor Hendricks can guard three through five right now in the NBA, and he has beautiful form and can absolutely light it up from the outside. Like you said, he's one of the big fastest risers in the draft. He wasn't even talked about in any round of mock drafts at the beginning of the year. And then as of late, he's been – I haven't seen him any lower than number 20. And so – I like Taylor Hendricks here, and I know, you know, a lot of people might think the Golden State Warriors are getting old and they need to plan for the future and all that. But, I mean, as long as you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, you'll compete. Yeah. And having somebody that can guard three, four, or five at any time in the game is is something to plug and play right next to Steph. Like you are talking about with Walker Kessler, he'll get benched in the playoffs based off of matchups. I think you can play Taylor Hendricks in any type of matchup because if you're playing him at the five against small ball fives, he can guard him. Yeah. If he's going against Jokic and Embiid, you can move him to the four, and he can guard the four. If he can't guard the four, he can guard the three. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big Taylor Hendricks guy, and I think I think he'll flourish the best if you plug and play him somewhere that's already, like, successful somewhat, yeah. like the Golden State Warriors. Like, put him out there. Have him knock down corner threes when Steph gets doubled and have him lock up defensively. I think he'll flourish in Golden State if he falls yeah, there. He would get a ton of open looks, corner open looks, you know, with Steph and Clay doing business. And like you said, like they are getting older, but their games are going to age well. They don't. T- there's not a lot of uh, wear and tear on the way they play. So um, I, I well, unless you play Thompson. Yeah, unless you play Thompson. Yeah, unless you've had like, terrible injuries back to back. But. Um, yeah, Taylor, Taylor Hendricks, now I've seen him, like, kind of hear about him. It would kind of be scary if he ended up on the Warriors. Just, you know, they just, mm-hmm. they just keep reloading. Um, 17, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, so, honestly, I was going to go – I was thinking about Taylor Hendricks there. Uh, wait, where did I go here? I'm going to go – let's see here. I'm going to go a project pick for the Hawks. Um, I, I think they can afford to take project here. They're in win now mode, so you can kind of help develop this guy over the next couple of years, and maybe he becomes something to play alongside Trey and Dejounte, and that's Gregory Jackson out of South Carolina. <laughs> hey, he's moved up a little bit on the boards. He's not. He. I remember him being like a absolute lottery pick earlier in the year, uh, but I think he's he he's kind of borderline now. So maybe he hasn't moved as much as I think, but. Um, six nine, two ten. Uh, not you know, not a big, big. He's a tall guy, but not real. Uh, you know, I guess like physical. But um, he's he's the youngest prospect in the class. Um, he's shown the ability to make some shot making. Um, I, I just like you know the. Just it's more of a potential pick than anything else. Uh, I, I think the the Hawks kind of need to find a diamond in the rough to kind of to kind of get make sure this Hawks. Trey Young era kind of works out. They're already on their third coach with Trey. So um, I think this little pick could, you know, we'll see. Uh, he's definitely a raw prospect. Wouldn't be somebody that's going to make an impact in year one, I would think. What, what's your thoughts on Gregory? Yeah, I, like, I like what you're talking about. You know, when you first said it, I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but as you started talking, you're talking about like the project pick and all that and the fact that they held on to John Collins after the trade deadline. Yes. I can see, you know, you have you have uh, Gigi Jackson sitting there about 
at least another year with John Collins. And then I, I imagine they'll trade John Collins at the next trade deadline, if not this offseason. Yeah. And so I think I think Gigi's sitting behind him. They're kind of the same prototype of player. Uh, I think Gigi sitting behind him can help, and, you know, he'll get spot minutes here and there. I think I, I can see where that would work out pretty well. And if it pans out, I mean, a team of Trey, A.J. Griffin, DeJounte Murray, Gigi Jackson, and Clint Capella, that's a pretty solid team. Or in Yukon Kongu, whoever you're putting yeah, out there. Uh, I, you 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 made me buy into that one a little bit, Marshall. Let's go. That. I didn't Let's like go. that pick when you said that. that. That was good. I like that one. Um, at number eighteen here, we got Miami. So Miami's notably struggles with their half court offense. They have Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. That's about all they have that can score the ball. Yep. So at number nineteen, or what are we at? Number eighteen here. 18, yeah. I'm going to take. Probably the guy I think has the most potential to be the, one of the best scorers in the draft and to go absolutely nuclear or can be an absolute giant bust in the draft and it's going to go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. And that's Bryce Vincent out of Ohio State. Yep. Um, probably the best isolation scorer in the NBA outside of like Scoot and Victor Wembanyama. Yep. Not in the NBA, my bad, in this draft. Class. Yep. Outside of Scoot and Wimby, I think uh, him and Nick Smith are probably the two best isolation scorers. And when you watch the Miami Heat, it's painful to watch them run in half-court offense because all they have is Tyler Hero off of pin downs yeah. and Jimmy Butler in the mid And that's all they do. Uh, Bryce Sensenball, not necessarily known for his defense. I think he can be a good defender if, if it's coached into him, which I believe Eric Spolstra will do. Um, and he's kind of a big body, six seven, so I can see him playing the three or the four. So if you got a lineup of Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bryce Stinson, Bond, Bam, yeah, I like that. I like that type of lineup. Um, like I said, Bryce Stinson is either going to come out and just be a go-to guy from the beginning, or he's just going to absolutely bust and fall out of the league in three years. But I think the Heat one, the way they ran was Fulstrom, Pat Riley. The chances of him being a bust are slim to none. And even if he is, I think they can handle it a little bit. I mean, I don't know the last time the Heat were actually down as a franchise. It was probably pre-Dwayne Wade, the last time they were, like, looked at as being awful. Yeah. And so I like Bryce Sensabaugh here. I think he'll buy into Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley, and I think he'll have a pretty decent NBA career here. Um. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I'm a little iffy on, his, like, him being – an offensive answer for the Heat. Like you said, they struggle in the half court and they have to rely on Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. And so many times, Bam, just he, he just struggles to shoot and uh, he just hasn't been able to find some consistency in his offensive game. Can't find what, what his bread and butter is. Um, so if they draft, you know, Bryce Sensabaugh kind of takes the pressure off him where, where Bam can just kind of be a finisher of plays, you know, around the rim and then be a great guy on defensive like he, like he, he can be with his, you know, with his athletic ability. So I like the fit with the heat there. Um, 19 is the New York Knicks. They got the uh, Dallas pick. Um, do you, what trade was that, by the way? Do you know where that came from? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, that's the Kristaps trade. Oh, the Kristaps trade. Correct. Right, right. Um, okay. So I, I think about the Knicks. You have Brunson. You've got Quentin. That's a hard place. Yeah, uh, they have some. They have guys all around. Um, so, oh, I, I'm gonna go. I don't know much about this guy. I just know he can. He can really shoot. And uh, okay, 
If you say Ryan Repair, I'm going to punch <laughs> no, the screen. So. No, no, no. I'm not going. Okay. I'm not going that guy. This guy is in college, and I, I just think uh, you put some more shooters around Jalen Brunson and around Randall and RJ Barrett. It, you're just going to make that team even more harder to guard, even harder to guard. And so I'm going to go with Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine. Um, I don't hate that. You know, probably know more about him. You can talk more about him. Uh, I just know he's in his, he's an efficient wing. And he's shown the ability to shoot the ball like crazy. He can hit threes like, like nuts. So uh, I yeah. think he'd be a really good spacer for the Knicks. I like that adjective, like nuts. Um, <laughs> Dick for three. Lewis, like nuts from deep. That was not uh, great. That was not great. I, I like Maxwell Lewis here. This is where I wanted Jordan Hawkins, so it's kind of following um, – what you're talking about with Maxwell Lewis, Jordan Hawkins, in my opinion, is the better shooter, but Maxwell Lewis, like you said, he's talked about and he has a reputation of being a shooter and he started out really well. And as the seasons progressed, his percentages have dropped off really bad. Yeah. And that can be one, his fault, or it can be the fact that nobody else on that Pepperdine, Pepperdine team has any, any type of skill. Right. So people just focus in on Maxwell Lewis. What I also like about Maxwell Lewis is that he's like six, six with like a six, nine wingspan. Yes. If you look at him, Huge. he has he has incredibly long arms. He's a big wing. And like you're talking about, we have Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Julius, and Mitchell Robinson. Um, you need somebody off the bench. You know, I know you got IQ, but IQ is not coming in and guarding anybody. So playing IQ with the two is kind of a difficult matchup. And now that we got rid of uh, Cam Reddish, we don't really have anybody big that can come in and give us any points. So I'm, I'm good with Maxwell Lewis. He was – he was one of three guys I, w- I wanted here at 19, and you took the other one. So I'm, I'm good with Maxwell Lewis here. I'll, I'll take that. Pick. Cool. So you wouldn't be mad Nick strapped Maxwell Lewis at 19. That'd be, that'd be the first time in the last three drafts I wouldn't be pissed off at who the Knicks take. I'm glad I did that for you. And how many times have I been wrong about those players, Marshall? Quinn Grimes, he's becoming a player. I'm telling you. I watched that Rising Stars game. He, he's going to be a dude. Who I'd rather have the guy who scored seventy-two points in a game this year is who I'd rather have. I agree, I agree. But but Quentin Grimes had some had some Clay Thompson attributes in that Rising Stars game. He, I, I felt like I was watching. Quentin Grimes hasn't scored more than fifteen points in a freaking game this year, Marshall. Shut up. I know. Quentin Grimes goes two for seven from three, and everybody thinks he's scorching the earth. I hate it. It's so annoying. But he's a great defender too. He's a great defender. He's becoming. I'm gonna say this right here, and it will be on video forever. Josh Hart is Quentin Grimes' feeling. Oh no! Oh no! We'll come back. We'll come back to that. On to number twenty here, back at Houston. Uh, This is this is not not necessarily a hard place to draft for because they have so much talent. It's a hard place to draft for because it's a uh, team that's being ran straight into the ground. like, like Jalen Green had all the potential in the world, and he is just falling incredibly short. Mm-hmm. Kevin Porter Jr. is a head case. Yeah. Uh, Jabari Smith has been very, very inefficient. Tari Eason has probably been their best rookie as of late. Mm-hmm. They got Alperin Sangoon, who, like, will probably be good on any other team, but putting him as their starting five on this team when none of their perimeter guys can play defense is just asking for disaster. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to uh, kind of draft here. And so the, the guy I'm going to take here, and I'll explain beforehand why I'm taking him, is all the reports out of Houston are that, it's, you know, all their players are very immature. They're not held accountable. 
A coach doesn't hold them accountable. There's no – I mean, Eric Gordon came out with his quote where he's like, there hasn't been any improvement. Any yeah. Improvement. And so I'm going to take a guy here who's kind of been rising as this year. I think he was talked about as a second-round draft pick at the beginning of the year, but he's played really well, and that's Xavier's Colby Jones. Okay. Um, Colby Jones isn't going to go on the NBA court and score more than 12 points a game unless he just absolutely catches uh, fire from deep. But what he's going to do is he's going to go out there and defend aggressively hard. He's going to dive on loose balls. He's going to rebound. He's going to make easy passes. He's going to do all the little things that you need to have. Like he's going to, he's a really good connector. Yeah. That's what he is. He's like Draymond Green. He's Draymond Green in a guard's body. Obviously, he's not as good a defender as Draymond. Not not as much of a basketball genius as Draymond is. But like the way he plays is very similar to Draymond. So I think. I like this pick here in Houston, and I think at the end of his rookie year, people are going to look at his stat line, and it's going to be like three, two, and two, yeah. and they're going to be like, "Oh, that's a bust." And it's the stuff that he that doesn't show up on the stat sheet that Colby Jones is really good at. I think they really need more of those guys in Houston because right now, all of their guys just worry about their own. Bag. Yeah, and that's why like Victor, like we had Houston drafting Victor number one. Um, that's why I'm a little concerned because I'm like. I- he, he's being developed so well where he's at right now overseas. And uh, Houston is like, they're just throwing guys out there and just like, yeah, go play basketball, go, you know, there's no, there's no structure there. There's no plan. So that's a little worrisome concern for Jabari Smith for sure. Cause he just looks like a shell of himself, but Colby Jones, I, I like that pick. Um, I think, I think, I think, I think if anything, Colby Jones will at least be coming to the Houston Rockets practice and make Jalen Green be better. Yeah. Because he's going to absolutely dog the hell out of that guy. Jalen Green is very immature and very just doesn't take anything serious. And I think Colby Jones is going to just straight put him in his place. And that's that's why I like Colby Jones here. I don't think he's going to play a whole lot uh, right away. He might as the season goes on, kind of like Tari Easton. But I think he's going to be an, incre- an incredible practice player and a great bench presence, like Theo Pinson type of player. Yeah. Definitely, I could see that. Um, so number twenty-one, we have the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they get the Suns pick here from the, obviously from the Kevin Durant uh, trade. I think that's I think that's part of this that trade. Um, and disclaimer, disclaimer to everybody listening: this is where this draft just becomes an absolute crap. Yeah, yeah, I'm not to say names I've never said in my life. Is what in the next. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at all these guys I have left, and I'm like, man, these are all about a fourth of an inch from being the exact same player. <laughs> um, I'm going to go – when I think about the Nets, I mean, they have, you know, just a, a melting pot of players, a lot of solid players, no stars, obviously. Um, and I don't know if this guy can become a, a star. I think he, become, he, he has all-star potential. I think it's possible, um, but he's older. And I'm gonna go with Tracy Jackson Davis. For he's played four years. At, is he's out in his fifth year, right? In Indiana, or is it fourth year? I think he's in his fourth. fourth. He might be in his. Um, yes, yeah, so I feel like he comes to Brooklyn, kind of you know, develops. I think he he can contribute right away. Um, he's a force inside. In, inside, he's kind of a little bit undersized though for for his position. Um, but I think he he can make, he can play make from down low, kind of have. He, I think he, him and McCall Bridges could have you know a, quite a little duo there. Uh, they have Spencer Dinwiddie as well, so he could have a little two man game with him. Um, and I just think his playmaking ability, his shooting ability, uh, ability to finish around the rim, I think he could be uh, quite 
good little addition to the to the Nets and what they have right now. Yeah, he he's a better passer than he really gets credit for, and it'll be really interesting to see what he looks like in an NBA court with NBA spacing because Indiana has not one person that can hit an outside shot yeah. right now, and he still dominates. He's an absolutely full grown man when he comes in into the league, so that'll benefit him. And I like this pick from the standpoint that the Nets do have Nicholas Claxton still, who's probably a front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. But if they're generally trying to rebuild like they did a couple years ago, mm-hmm. that's money. I don't think they can afford to pay Nicholas Claxton because I think he has one year left on his deal. So when he hits free agency, he's gonna he's gonna get like a Mitchell Robinson type of contract, if not a bigger yeah. one. And so I think, especially with Ben Simmons on your payroll and Spencer Dinwiddie on your payroll, I don't and McCall Bridges. I don't think you want to throw money at Nicholas Claxton. So I, I like the TJ pick. I think they're similar type of players. I think Nicholas Claxton can shoot a little bit better right now than Trace Jackson Davis. But Trace Jackson Davis is bigger, stronger, and, pro- and a better athlete than Nick Claxton is right now. Yeah. And, and so I, I like that. I like that pick. And I don't, I don't foresee Ben Simmons being on this team very long, or if he is. I mean, he plays like 12 minutes a game right now. Yeah. So I think going forward, having a starting uh, inside presence of McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Trace Jackson Davis or Nicholas Claxton is a good place to start for this team. Yeah, and I don't know how they're going to get off that Vincennes contract. Uh, that's going to be – they're going to have to throw some assets to get off that thing for sure. I mean – I think they're just going to have to buy them out. That's, that's they're new. Like I, 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 or they're going to have to find – I don't think Ben. Go ahead. Oh, they're they're going to have to find a team, you know, like the Thunder or how the Jazz did, where they're just willing to take on a bad contract for some assets. A tanking team, obviously. Yeah. And uh, maybe, you know. I, I don't think Ben Simmons cares about basketball mm-hmm. that much. So he might just be okay with being bought yeah. out, especially if he's here playing 12 minutes a game. And I mean, I can't imagine the Brooklyn fan base is that forgiving of when he is on the court, <laughs> just like Philadelphia. Yeah. Just like Philadelphia wasn't. I can see him just taking a buyout, and I wouldn't be surprised if in three years Ben Simmons is out of the league and we don't hear from him again. I don't think he cares about basketball because if he did, if you're the number one recruit for as long as you've been, you would learn how to shoot the ball. Yeah, you'd figure it out. And so, yeah, and so I, I, I can see the him being bought out or, like you said, somebody biting the bullet on a contract. But uh, I like Trace Jackson Davis there. Uh, going into 22 here, I'm drafting for Portland once again. Yep. And so earlier I took uh, Cam Whitmore for Portland. So I'm trying to try to find somebody that can sit out there and or maybe come off the bench and give them some scoring because, like I said, they don't have a lot. Of, Shaden Sharp coming off the bench for them, but I don't foresee him as being a go-to scorer off the bench anytime soon. I don't see him ever averaging more than 14 points a game. So who I'm taking here is a guy that was highly touted at the beginning of the year, dealt with some injuries. And when he does play, isn't as efficient as everybody thought he would be. And that's uh, Derek Whitehead out of Duke. Yeah. Uh, currently been sidelined for a really long time with a hamstring injury. He hadn't played in I don't know how long. But, you know, at, with Portland, with taking Cam Whitmore, like I said earlier, and let's assume they bring back Jeremy Grant. That's Dame, Anthony Simons, Cam Whitmore, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic. And then off the bench, you got Shaden Sharp. And um, who did I say earlier? They have another guy coming off. Oh, Cam Cam Reddish off the bench. And so with those two, and they play Nas Little a little Mm -hmm. bit, which I don't agree with. I don't think Nas Little would be in the NBA. But 
I mean, that's an eight-man rotation there. So taking Derek Whitehead here and kind of giving him a year to get back from his injuries and get back into the thing. And if he ever lives up to 75% of his potential, that's a top five overall prospect in his high school class. You're putting with Dame Lillard and Anthony Simons. So I think at 22 here, without anything you really need, as the Portland Trailblazers don't have anything they desperately need, I think you can uh, go with somebody here that gives you kind of not superstar upside, but like top tier role player upside in Derek White. Sure. And, and the injuries have kind of derailed his his uh, mock drafts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I, I think at this point we're in the twenties. It's he's definitely worth, worth the risk of taking for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have the Nets at the 23rd pick. So back to back Nets picks for me. Uh, this is disgusting. I don't want to pick another Nets guy because I just don't even know where to go. Um, but you said, uh, you know, yeah, they're not going to want to pick Claxton. So they're going to have to replace Claxton mm-hmm. for, you know, a future big man. They can kind of, which they are, if they get Trace Jackson Davis, I like that. But they're still going to need some more size. I think Trace Jackson Davis can play the three, can play the four. Um, but then you got five, and I'm going to take um, Derek Lively from Duke. Uh, the seven-foot guy, seven-foot-one, actually, with a wingspan of seven-eight. That's insane. Um, he's really raw, uh, but I think he could be a good rim protector for them. Um, could be a game-changer on the defensive end to kind of, you know, early in his career. Um, he's going to have to, you know, he'll be definitely a work in progress on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's kind of been off to a slow start at Duke. Um, I think is it Philip Kowski's kind of kind of taking a bigger role there, but I still like uh, the size with Lively and kind of like the uh, athletic big that can kind of go, you know, finish on the offensive side around the rim and be a defender on the other end. So uh, we'll we'll go there for the Nets. Yeah, and like Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, Derek Lively was actually the number one overall recruit in this recruiting yeah. class. Um, and he also started the year. Neither one of them played the first five games of the college basketball season due to injuries. So he also was derailed by injuries. And as of late, he's really been coming along. Uh, against North Carolina, he had, I think, eight blocks. And so that seven, eight wingspan was on full display. He had like four points, 13 rebounds, and eight blocks. I was like, that's an incredible stat line. And that's going against Armando Baycott, who's the top five big in college basketball. Yeah. And I'll say this as a North Carolina fan, he made Armando Baycott look terrible. And so, again, you know, you're rebuilding as the Brooklyn Nets. You need to shore up your center spot as a defensive center. You take Trace Jackson Davis, and then you take Derek Lively, and you have them battle it out. And whichever one of them wins, you have an incredible athlete, a top-tier athlete, and a full-grown man right off the bat. Um, That being said, at number 24, I have Sacramento. And this is kind of a difficult pick for me as well. They got De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, um, Keegan Murray, who they drafted last year, and DeMontis Sabonis. So really what they need to shore up is their three spot. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm stuck between two people right here. And I think what I'm going to do is go with – the two people I'm stuck between are Noah Clowney out of Alabama and Ryan Rupert out of France. Um, I think Ryan Rupert is a better player here. But Ryan Repair is more of a playmaking type of guy. And with DeMontis Sabonis and Darren Fox, I don't think you really need another playmaker out there. So I'm going to go with – where is he at? I'm going to go with Noah Clowney here. Uh, Noah Clowney, not a lot of people know much about him. If you watched Alabama basketball, he kind of goes 
He's exactly like Herb Jones was. He goes, no one really talks about him, but he's an incredible defender. He can hit from outside, and he's, I think he's like a six, nine freshman, and he's a really young freshman. So, you know, the Kings are on the up and coming. Uh, they're burning it right now. I think, are they still the three seed in the West? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, still a three seed. Um, and they just beat the Thunder back to back games in the baseball series, and they look, and they didn't have the Aaron Fox in the second game, and they look incredible. I mean, they're just playing great basketball. They, they look good. They look good. I like them. And then, you know, you're you're thinking about maybe they need other wings, but they got De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell backing him up, Kevin Herter and Malik Monk backing him up, and Malik Monk had 45 points the other day. You got DeMondis Sabonis who's going to get you 20 and 12. You got Keegan Murray who's possibly going to get you 20 points in any game. But I think what you really need is a defensive stopper out there and one that can not, – not a point guard defensive stopper like Davion Mitchell, and I think that's what Noah Clowney is. So, you know, you put him out there with a guy like Kevin Herter who can light yeah. it up from deep and Sabonis and Keegan Murray who can hit from deep. And then that kind of takes some pressure off Sabonis who's not the best defender because Darren Fox can guard out there and Keegan Murray can guard out there. You need one more point of attack defender that prevents people from getting downhill at Demona Sabonis. So I've got Noah Clowney going to Sacramento. I like that one. Uh, 25th, we've got the Pacers again, which you, we've drafted, oh, Terrence Walker. Um, so they, they have that, that guy could be at the four or the five. Um, oh God, four to three, three, you know, let's put him at the three. Cause I, the next guy I'm going to take is a four for them. Uh, and which is kind of dwindled down draft boards, but we were just talking about Keegan Murray. I'm going to take Chris Murray for the, uh, Pacers here. Um, I think about Pacers. They're, they're. I mean, they are stacked at the, the in the backcourt with Aaron and Nimhard, Benedict Mathurin, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and they have some other guys too. But those three are the ones that pop up uh, off the top of my head. Buddy Hill. Um, but so I'm gonna go with a. a, a, a I'm gonna go with a big man, and uh, I'm gonna go with Chris Murray there. Um, I think he's, he could be a versatile forward. Uh, has shown he can he can score the ball like crazy. Um, they're probably going to lose Miles Turner, whether you know whether it's trade or or you know uh, in free agency. So I feel like this guy, he could be a, a nice little fit in here, and um, I just I just like uh, he he's in, I think he could be NBA ready and be a contributor for them uh, in his rookie year for sure too. Yeah, um, Chris Murray's one of those dudes that's kind of bounced all over the first round of the mock drafts. You know, beginning of the year he was. I saw him so as high yeah. as top ten. He was very, very, very commonly in the, in the lottery. And then as the year progresses, I think he's, I think he's at his ceiling right now. Like I don't think he's going to improve at all in yeah. what he's doing right now. But what he is right now is a guy that can play the three and four spot and go out there and defend really well, and then sit in that corner and knock down some open shots. And like we talked about earlier when we drafted back-to-back shooters for the Utah Jazz, you can never have enough shooting or defense. So Chris Murray, I think, is just a great value version of his twin brother, Keegan. And so you put him out there on the court, he's going to defend, he's going to play hard, and he's going to hit outside shots. So I like that pick there. Let's go. Um, and number 26 here for Memphis. Again, it's a team that has almost, like, no holes or anything that yeah. they really need. So it's kind of difficult to draft for. And I'm stuck between two people here. And I think – I'm going to go with Julian Strother out of Gonzaga. Um, I was between him and, again, Ryan Repair. So that's back-to-back picks. I was going with Ryan Repair or somebody else and didn't pick Ryan Repair. But I think for the point of the Memphis Grizzlies, 
it just gives like they could always use another defender. John Morant doesn't play defense. Uh, Desmond Bain's a pretty solid defender. Whoever they're playing in their four spot right now, it changes all the time. It's Jaron Jackson, or if he's at the five, they got Zaire Williams there. Um, if Jaron Jackson's out there, he stirs up the rim pretty well and can guard the perimeter. They got Dylan Brooks starting at their three, Gross. and I think Dylan Brooks is the most hated. Yeah, he's the most hated player in the NBA. So I think one, when his contract runs up, I don't think they'll yeah. resign him. Two, Julian Strother's a guy who's he's a six seven big wing that can go out there and lock people up, and he's a heck of a shooter mm-hmm. off movement, off catch and shoot, off all that. And so I think you know you got Desmond Bain and Julian Strother out there. I think that's a pretty good. And then Jaron Jackson can also hit from outside. I like I like Julian Strother here. For yeah, and I, I think Dylan Brooks. I'm 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 sure Memphis fans love him for you know since he plays for their team, but you know. Being you know watching him from not a Memphis fan perspective, like Dylan Brooks is just annoying and takes way too many shots with all the, with the other guys he has on his team. So I, and I think so it would be a welcome sight if they landed Strawford. It'd be more you know less of a blow to kind of let Brooks walk because uh, it yeah. Strawford can still with his size can be can become a solid defender and I think he's a better offensive outside threat than Brooks is too for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Number 27, Utah Jazz. Uh, they have the 76ers pick here. So Utah Jazz with their third first-round pick of the day. Um, I'm not sure what they'll do actual draft day. But I'm going to have them go with Kyle Filipkowski, who we just mentioned earlier. Um, we, we drafted two shoot, sharp shooters for them earlier in the round. So might as well go with the big man here. And this big man can also shoot and uh, can also rebound. Um, he has some solid uh, vision with playmaking and his passing, so he can also I, – I, I see him as a guy you put at the top of the key, and he kind of like – he's nowhere like Jokic, but that's kind of a role he could play, kind of playmaking and shoot from outside. Um, and uh, you, you, you kind of have him on the court with Mark, and I think that could be kind of – it'd be weird, but it could be fun at the same time. And uh, their other big man they love, Walker Kessler, not really an outside threat, so that kind of – he, you know, when he's not on the on the uh, on the on the court, Kyle Filipowski kind of bring uh, a different perspective. Um, so I kind of like Kyle there for the Jazz. Yeah, uh, I like Filipowski there, and especially at this point in the draft, you're not necessarily looking to draft a starter or a star or anything yeah. like that. So I think drafting somebody that looks and plays exactly like Laurie Markkinen can really confuse some other teams out there. You take one seven-foot stretch white guy off the floor and put another seven-foot stretch white guy on the floor, it's going to confuse him. Yeah, I've been a little nervous. Um, but I like it. At this, at this point in the draft, you try and find role players. And I think when Laurie Markkinen's your best player and you take him off the court and you put this guy on there for him, you're obviously you're losing a bunch because Laurie can go get his own bucket. Yeah. But you're not. You know, you're not going from Laurie Markkinen who stretches the floor to an absolute non-shooter. You're going to another guy, like you said, who can pass and hit the outside shots and who's been Duke's best player this year. So, Filipowski, I think, especially in this part of the draft, is a guy you have to take a flyer on because a seven-footer that can knock down from deep like him, I think the only one that hasn't panned out in the last couple of years is Dragon Bender. Yeah. And <laughs> That's a name. That's a name so, I've heard in a long time. I like the Filipowski pick here. I think it'd be fun watching the Utah Jazz and them rotate their three seven-foot-tall white guys. That'll, that'll zagging, they're zigging while they're zigging while they're type thing. Yeah, that, that'll, be a, that'll be an interesting thing to watch. But I like that pick. Uh, at 28 here for the Charlotte Hornets, again, 
trying to find just connected pieces earlier. Who would we take for them uh, earlier? Charlotte. I, who did we take? Oh, Brandon Miller. We got Brandon cool. Miller there. Yeah, Brandon Miller. So, um, so it's a guy, again, who can score the ball with LaMelo Ball. I don't think they need another scorer. There's only so much ball that can go around. Um, I think there are five spots pretty locked up. I'm huge on Mark Williams, and I was in last year's draft. I told you and Kyle about yeah. that all the time. I, I don't care if he's not playing right now. I love Mark Williams, and I think there's no way he won't be on an NBA court. I think he had like he, 10 points and 20 rebounds. He's really picked it up since post-All-Star break. Around All-Star break, yeah. he started, he's starting to break out. He's got great feet for a big man and great touch. I think he's going to be a good guy going forward. So that spot's kind of shored up for them. Uh, they're losing, or they lost Miles Bridges, you know, due to his stupid decisions to do what he did. May he should never be back in the NBA, and I hope he never is. Um, so they have no one at the four, and then they got Terry Rozier at the two. So I think at the four spot here, I'm going to take a guy that can bring, one, some maturity into the locker room for Charlotte, which they need with LaMelo being their best player, and two, just a hard-nosed worker who can score the ball, who can guard two through four, and who can uh, shoot from deep and rebound. And I'm taking Jalen Wilson out of Kansas here. For the uh, for the Hornets? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Jalen Wilson, uh, when, when we were talking about Mock's weight earlier this year, he was like a projected uh, lottery pick, I think. So I, I think that's a nice little steal for the Hornets there at 28. Um and uh, just another, you know, playmaker, shooter that they could add to the, to the squad. So um, I like that pick there. Um, 29th, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. And uh, this is another team that's, you know, all they care about is winning title, trying to win a title right now. So they're, they're definitely going to be drafting a project and somebody they can kind of develop. And so I'm going to go with uh, Adam Bona out of UCLA. Uh, 6'10", I think, plays the four mostly, can play the mm-hmm. five. Um, he's, he's, he's kind of quick and explosive for his size. Uh, I think it, it could be fun to see him kind of out in the open court alongside Paul George and Kawhi. Um, and kind of he's a little more athletic than kind of like a Zubach, I would say. So, you know, they kind of have to bench Zubach depending on who they're playing in the matchup. I think Bona, if he could develop and kind of be uh, a rim rim runner for them. He could kind of find himself on the court, kind of, kind of play that, uh, that Nick Claxton type role, maybe a little bit more offensive ability than, uh, you know, than, a um, than a Nick Claxton, but we will see. I think it's, he's definitely a project that you play right now. So just some raw talent. I think Clippers could develop for sure. Yeah. Uh, Adem Bona is just a heck of a defender. He's got a motor on him. That's crazy. Probably got the best motor in this draft. And, you know, you got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You don't need anybody to do anything to yeah. play defense. And so, like you said, Zubac is out there. He kind of has to get benched. He gets, you know, like that Stephen Adams treatment where in the regular season, he's probably one of their most valuable players. And then as the playoffs start, he's right. probably their least valuable player. And Adem Bona, he plays the five and four, and but he can – he's kind of like a Jaron Jackson in the fact that he can hold his own, not necessarily guard the perimeter – but in a switching type scheme where he gets switched on to somebody, he can hold his own for a possession or two and not just absolutely get torched. So uh, that's a good pick right there. And again, a project pick, you can bounce him down in the G league and bring him right back up and all that stuff. And 
from UCLA to the Clippers isn't too far of a drive <laughs> for that guy. Just, so that'd um, be good for him. His, his comparison on this draft right on this mock draft we're looking at is a faster Nene. Oh, Nene used to be a like he's leaped so long. Denver Nuggets, Nene. All right, so at number thirty to finish up our first official mock draft of the twenty twenty three NBA draft. The Indiana Pacers are on the clock, and again, but that's fine. I love the Indiana Pacers, and there's a lot of people left on the board here. There's you know Ryan Rupert, who in most yeah. drafts has already been drafted. Uh, I'm just yeah. not very big on him. I don't understand. He, he's one of those dude in every draft class that's like at number tw- from like 17 to 24 is where he's mocked, and I just never yeah. see anything. I'm like, why? Why do you want to take him there? I don't understand that. And that's Ryan Rupert for me. He doesn't do anything that well. You got Traquavion Smith, who was mm-hmm. lottery bound at the beginning of the year, but I've kind of fallen off on him. This next guy, the guy that I'm going to take from the Indiana Pacers is somebody that in our first, when we talked about you know, our big boards and everything like that. I had him very high, and a lot of people did, and he's kind of fallen off, and he's out of the first round in most drafts. But at number 30 here, when Indiana Pacers potentially losing Miles Turner and not having a center going forward, I'm taking okay, Kalel Ware. Uh, yeah, out of Oregon. Kalel Ware coming into the year was like mm-hmm. a top 12 pick, and he's a, he's like a 7'2". He's obviously not as big as Wimbanyama, but yeah. he's built exactly like him. He can shoot from deep, he can score inside, and he is a heck of a rim protector. And I think if he gets drafted here, even if they have Miles Turner for half the season, playing behind Miles Turner and getting his feet wet a little bit, a stretch five that can run and move and guard like Kalel Ware paired next to Tyrese Halliburton yeah. is going to be insane. If this, if this guy, I mean, he was a top 10 recruit. If he lives up to any type of his potential, he I think he's going to be absolutely insane next to Halliburton. Just having a five that can... You know, you can pick and roll and just lob it up there, and he can just go up above everybody and slam it down because that's not what Miles Turner right. is. Miles Turner is a pick and pop, uh, which Khalil Ware can also do. So I think at this point at 30, you're taking two good players earlier in the draft that you can plug and play right now. I think taking Khalil Ware for the Patriots. Yeah, I really like that pick. Uh, Khalil Ware is definitely somebody I would, if my, if I was, my team was drafting him as late in the first round, definitely would be excited about that, just the, the potential there of what he could become. Um Definitely, that's definitely a fun one to, have to get. Um, so that's our first round mock. Uh, that was fun. We needed to do that probably multiple times before, the, maybe one or two more times before the draft starts. Uh, I, hey, you know, I'll do a mock draft whenever you I, want, baby. That's I, I, I can study up some more. I, I, I did. I did better than I thought. I thought I was going to come out here and my my last like I thought my my late in this draft. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to be throwing pulling names out of my butt. Uh, but they're, most of these guys I've, I've heard, I've, I've watched a little bit of. So, um, that yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Is there uh, anybody that wasn't drafted you want to hit on and then uh, we haven't talked let about? Me look through this mock. I think my big ones are, I already talked about Ryan Repair and Traquavion Smith. Uh, I just want to throw out uh, yeah. three other names here. And, Two of them are centers. One of them, mm-hmm. James, Na- James Najee, is playing overseas right now. He's a g- giant human. And, I, you know, when you get from 25 to 30, a lot of times that's where people take flyers on those big men that just block shots. I can see that happening with him. Deron Holmes out of Dayton was used to be a uh, 
projected first rounder in a lot of mock drafts. He's kind of falling off as late. I can see him rising back up as draft season gets here. And a sleeper that I really, really like is Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas. And he might not even declare this year. He might go back. That's a dude who's – he does, he's not hitting shots at a high rate right now from deep, but his form is very pretty. He's got an incredible wingspan. And I watched him then play Tennessee the other day, and his his defensive instincts are insane. So I, I can see people taking um, – The one guy I would want to mention, he's also from Arkansas, and I've just watched him fill it up a lot this year, and that's Ricky Council, the fourth. Um, obviously an upperclassman, so he gets kind, yeah. of, kind of forgotten, I think, just because he's not the young – you know, he's not the young uh, – Guys like a lot of these guys are, um, but whenever uh, Arkansas and Baylor played, he earlier in the season he was the guy, not Keontae George, um, not Anthony Black, but it was Rick Council who like balled out in that matchup, and he can fill it up. Um, he obviously is not a great shooter from three; he, it's a low three point percentage this year, but I think he has the body frame to become a pretty good NBA player, and I just think it would be worth a late first round flyer to take a, that guy, especially. If you're a, yeah. if you're a contender, kind of looking for a, a ready guy now that kind of jump in. Yeah, yeah. But you don't got anything else. I guess that wraps up our first yes. ever mock draft. Uh, it was yeah, beautiful. It was a lot of fun. We'll definitely have a couple more for before yeah. the actual draft happens in June. Um, and it's March first as we record this, so March Madness coming up. I know I'm so excited already. Uh, post. Just, just a, uh, just a disclaimer to everybody listening. One, basketball season's over for me, so we're about to hop on the podcast grind a little bit better. We'll get back to having one out probably every week. Two, we're probably going to hop mm-hmm. off the uh, prospect boat the next two, three weeks, and it's going to be strictly March Madness related. And you're going to hear me talk more than you've ever heard me talk. This is the top, top two days of my life. Talking about some March random Sun Belt Conference tournament game. It's going to be so fun. And then actually, we'll have a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, that coming up. Uh, but with that, let's get out of here. See you, man. All right. See you, Marsh. <laughs>